Like a dump truck speeding through a nitroglycerin plant, the Selby is God cast is back and louder than ever with TJ Zuppi and Zach Meisel, courtesy of the Athletic Cleveland. Zach, what's up, brother? That's I was not expecting that, even though it took you multiple tries. Well, try saying nitroglycerin plant five times fast. Do it. No. Do it. No, I no. dare you. Um. Anyway. It's the dead of winter. I hate everything. Get me to Vegas. It's coming soon. Sooner for you than for me. You're going out there to get it all out of your system. But in reality, that just means by Tuesday, you're going to be in a gutter somewhere. How am I I supposed to wake you up? Like when you're in this stupor that I anticipate you're going to be in by the time I get out there on Sunday. Do you have like smelling salts somewhere in the room or something that I can (laughs) bring you back to life with? I don't know. I'm a lunatic. I thought it would be smart to go out there and well, because I usually go to Vegas once or twice a year and I actually have not been since March of 2017. So this is it's been such a long drought that the whole time I'm like, oh, I'll go a couple days early. We'll actually get to enjoy Vegas. And then by the time the winter meetings roll around, I'll just be focused and working. And that that's that was such dumb thinking, though. (laughs) <laughs> but you wouldn't take it back. Don't even pretend like, oh, well, I wish I could just not do this. I wish I could not go to Vegas a couple of days early. Right. You're going to suffer through it, and then you'll somehow have justified it when you come back with all the money you lost. And I mean, has Vegas called you to make sure that you're okay? They haven't seen you <laughs> in so long at that airport. They're probably checking to see if you're you're still with us. Well, what's going to be interesting to me is – and for as for as excited as I am, like no one is more giddy about this than Terry Francona, who I remember sitting in the, the Indian suite last year in Orlando. And we were talking about how this year's winter meetings were in Vegas. And he got all excited like a little kid in a candy store. And that was a year out. And this was a guy who can go to Vegas whenever he wants. So uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, I was talking to someone with the Indians uh, about the idea that Every year at the winter meetings, the front office members are cooped up in their suite and like there's nowhere to go. Last year, they left to go get dinner or I know Mike Chernoff would go for a morning jog. But other than that, you're in this hotel and it's it's just the hotel. Like a couple of years ago in Nashville, it was at the uh, the Gaylord Opryland giant. Is, the place is massive, but it's just a hotel and, and no one ever left the hotel. Well, this year, you know, if, if Chris Antonetti wants to sneak away for a little bit, he just has to find a way out of Mandalay Bay, and, and he can go to any casino he wants, any any restaurant or sports book. Like, there's so many places to go where it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Like, Terry Francona doesn't have to be hidden the whole time. He can actually go play blackjack if he wants, or he can go watch – uh, a bowl game or whatever's going on at the time. Yeah, the year that he had his hip surgery, so it would have been two years ago maybe, uh, I ran into Tito at a, a Cavs game. and He was there with uh, Mike Barnett, and he, he, he essentially said, I, I am not going to the meetings because I just had surgery, so I have an excuse. But if I didn't have the excuse of the surgery, I still wouldn't want to go because they're pointless. 
uh, it's not the case for him. <laughs> he is looking for any way to get out there. He might actually be out there already. Like you might run into him as you're being out there already in Vegas. So uh, I'm not surprised by his excitement in getting out to, to Vegas. It will be weird. It's a different environment for sure, because as you said, it's, it's usually so concentrated in one area and this is just, it could be so spread out. It can, you can go anywhere. You can go up and down the strip. You can go to downtown. I mean, you can go anywhere you want and escape what would be immense craziness. And all you got to do is throw on a ball cap and no one's going to know, uh, what's going on because there's so much to see out in Vegas. And I, I think an unique experience just to be able to walk up and down the strip in, in this scenario where you don't know who you're going to see. And that's the case. Mm -hmm. That's the case. No matter when you go to Vegas, you don't know who you're going to run into, who you're going to see, but you might see players and agents and GMs and, and, you could see some crazy things going down, conversations being had that aren't taking place uh, typically where they're at inside these suites. Um, so that's one thing I think is going to be fun, just people watching in this regard. It's not going to be the same lobby, just doing laps around it and putting the phone to your ear occasionally to make it look like you're busy. And in reality, you're just spying to see what is happening as people are walking around. But this this is going to be this is going to be interesting. And it's it's even more interesting. You said this, this last podcast, too, because the Indians are going to be so uh, highly coveted to be in their space constantly mm -hmm. to talk, to see what they're doing with their starting pitching. There's going to be a number of teams that were in the past. We're going to be more focused on free agency and talking to the high profile agents. In this case, there's going to be a lot of teams that want to hang around with the Indians to try to get something done. Yeah, we're actually going to have things to cover. You know, it, how many times do we we go up to the front office suite and we sit down and they say, what are you guys hearing? And we look at each other like morons and we say, I don't know, nothing really. <laughs> and and this time it's like, all right, well, so are you trading your two-time Cy Young winner or are you uh, – can you stomach all of Trevor Bauer's tweets enough to uh, hang on to him for another year or two? Um, yeah, I, it's they're in an interesting spot for once, and that doesn't mean they're in a great spot. I mean, they're, they're, it's it's interesting. Like I, I feel like the Jan Gomes trade, which we can analyze here, basically made them take a step forward toward trading a starter or or doing something like. I never thought they could stand Pat because if they weren't going to raise payroll, they had to tr make some trades to, to fill these holes in the roster. But trading young Gomes, you have absolutely no choice but to do something else. Like you, you got, you didn't get better. Um, I think if we go by 2018 results, you got worse. I don't know if Gomes, Perez, maybe Perez improves, maybe Gomes regresses a little bit in 2019, but I think they've forced their own hand here where now something's going to happen and maybe it'll be at the winter meetings. Maybe they'll use the winter meetings to go over these final conversations with teams about some major trades. Maybe they'll make a trade before then. And then the winter meetings will be about what's next and, and, and their new direction they're taking. But I feel like they have cemented their status as a team that is going to be more active than it's been in, in past winters. And it's, it's, I think the Jan Gomes thing was kind of the first domino. Yeah. It's, it's weird because you're only looking at this small 
little portion of what they're going to end up doing this winter. And that's all we can assess right now. And so I realize everything that we kind of assess is through that lens that you're just not going to see the whole picture right initially off the bat. And so that's, that's fine. So we can only go based off what we've seen so far. I will say when, when we first learned of whispers of a trade happening. And then when we found out that it was Gomes, and then when we found out the team that he was going to, it was really difficult to try to see where the connection was. It didn't seem like the nationals had what the Indians would want outside of just giving them some salary relief, which is valuable in its own right. But it's difficult because all the Gomes trade did was create more questions. And this, this whole winter is about just salivating for answers because they're all about questions right now. And to create more of them really kind of left me scratching my head a little bit. It's not to say that they can't get better from here. They've cleared a path for that, or at least started to clear a path for that. But based just on what they got back, I was a little underwhelmed. And, and maybe it would feel different if the Indians were in a different position where they were looking just to get better in 2020 and beyond. I, I don't know enough about Daniel Johnson, other than just reading about his tools to say whether or not he's going to be a consistent starter. But I see a difficult time linking him to their plans in 2019. And we Mm -hmm. talked about in this podcast, the need to, if you're going to trade Gomes, you have to get back pieces that are going to help you in 2019. I don't know how either one of the guys that got back that we know of so far help you get better in 2019. Now, maybe they turn around and, and utilize this $7 million on a free agent, in which case, if it's the right fit, then I will applaud that. If they turn around and trade Johnson and use him as a package to get somebody else, or maybe they talk to the Mariners about Mitch Haniger, you know, all these things that could happen, maybe I'll turn around and say, okay, now it all makes sense. But just based on what we see so far, uh, I, I got to say, I, I just – I didn't quite understand it completely. I mean, I, I, I get it to a certain extent, and I think there are some small things that maybe could work out, but knowing the amount of teams that had some interest in Gomes, and we had heard, what, in addition to the Nationals, we had heard the Dodgers, the Mets. I know we know of at least one other team that had reached out to the Indians and had some at least mild conversations about Gomes. I was mm-hmm. just a little bit surprised with the return that they got back. Yeah, what was the rush? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I know that the catching market is strong. There's a lot of free agents. There's guys available for trade. I, I, I mean, I, I thought they could have used Gomes to maybe sweeten a, a Kluber or a Bauer trade. We, we'd heard maybe like Kluber and Gomes to the Dodgers, something like that. That would have made sense. I, I don't know. Yeah, what, what's the rush if you're not going to get back any talent that's going to help you in 2019? That's I don't, I don't understand that. But now, they know more than we do, and they certainly must have something up their sleeves if they made this trade when they did. So, yeah, maybe maybe they can flip Daniel Johnson. Maybe they can use that money. But it's a tough sell right now to the fan base when you're you're saying, look, we're we're still in this to win a World Series. We're, we still have four really good starting pitchers. Um, five if you want to throw Bieber in there and, and with, with his potential progress uh, they still have Lindor and Ramirez I mean it, it's they have like the makings of a World Series 
contender here. It's just this this first step was not a step forward toward 2019. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, I think it's weird. Like, you look at the roster. First of all, Mitch Handiger would be such a perfect fit, but I don't think they would want to trade Tristan McKenzie. Um, and I don't know if the Mariners would do it for – can I, I feel like I say every time, you Chang Chang, give him Chang. Um, <laughs> well, it makes sense because it's hard to see where he's going to play here right. in the foreseeable future. But but they, they've been stockpiling these outfielders, right? Uh, they signed Trace Thompson to a minor league deal. Uh, outside of him wearing the number 31, that doesn't really interest me at all. Um, <laughs> it, it's... But, but like, Daniel Johnson was the Nationals minor league player of the year in 2017. He's got crazy tools. It's just a matter of he's really raw. They don't You don't know if he'll be a good hitter yet. Jordan Luplo was the Pirates minor league player of the year in 2017. Like, his, his numbers the last two years in AA and AAA are off the charts. And he'll get a chance. Like, like they have guys with upside. And so I always come back to HPD. But when I feel like what we've all learned from playing that game is when you're rebuilding, when you're building an organization, you want to acquire guys with upside. And then before you find out if all those guys are going to crash and burn, it's usually good to stockpile a couple of them for a sure thing. And so maybe the Indians now have the resources to do that. But again, it's just like, to get from point A to B, they're they're taking a really strange path. Right, and that's fair. The, as far as stockpiling outfielders, you're right that there there are some interesting guys, guys that like Johnson. When you look at the the fact that he he's got a cannon for an arm and he's got a sprint speed in the 30s in the Arizona Fall League, and uh, he's proven that when he makes contact, he's got the ability to crush it and doing it pretty hard, but less so when you're trying to win a world series do you need guys that have potential you need guys that have proven it you need someone you can count on now if you want to talk about those sorts of guys to have depth and some of them are on your bench and and maybe if one of the positions is a platoon maybe i can get behind it but right now there's just it's so many guys that are all in the same boat that I yeah, there's a chance that one of them you hit on one or two of them, but if you're trying to win a World Series, I need I need some more proven commodities right now, and there's just yeah. there are not there's just not enough of those, and I feel like they have the resources to go out and make a trade, whether it's for Hanniger, I mean that one like you said, it's just it makes so much sense from the Indians' perspective, and I would. I would be willing to include pretty much anyone outside of McKenzie to try to get that done. Nolan Jones. I mean, I, I would think about it. Yeah. Him, Chang and Daniel Johnson. <laughs> just, just come on. Get, look at this guy. He's got all these tools. Look, at, look just, just look at him. He's so, he, he's so nice. You can just use him anywhere. Um, I, I just, I'm looking for more proven commodities right now. They just don't have yeah. enough of those for me to feel comfortable. Um, if this were a team that, was still a year or two away from competing and they stockpiled all these outfielders, they would go from concerning to probably intriguing. I would have a different outlook mm-hmm. on it, but th- it's not that, you know, you need somebody that you can count on that you're going to need to replace Michael Brantley with and that 
okay, you've taken Jan Gomes away. And even if you say he re- regresses a little bit, there's still a fall off between Perez and Gomes from what we've seen offensively. Even if I believe that the defense that Perez provides maybe even closes that gap, you're still losing some offense there. There's just, again, more question marks that I would feel comfortable with. And we're only seeing part of the puzzle. But right now, I'm still just – intrigued would be a nice word to say, but more so just maybe skeptical and concerned about sure. the, the direction right now. Yeah, if you were the White Sox and you had Daniel Johnson, Jordan Luplo, Greg Allen, Bradley Zimmer, like you'd be ecstatic because you'd be thinking, hey, if we can hit on even two of these four, we're going to be in great shape. Um, but that's the Indians don't have time to figure that out. They don't have, you know, they, they, they can win their division uh, by sleepwalking, but they – that outfield is not going to win the World Series in 2019. I would say the encouraging thing, if we're going to try to read between the lines, is, and and I know, oh, I hate doing this. I'm not criticizing the fan base. I'm not telling fans they're stupid. I, I believe me, like we've said, I, I just didn't think this was a very good trade for the Indians. Um, and I actually, like, I, I like Jan Gomes. I think he's been, he had a really nice career for the Indians, even though, I think a lot of people are forgetting how just deplorable he was at the plate for a couple of years there before this past season. But I think if you're just looking at this trade and saying, oh, this team's rebuilding, they're just going to trade everybody for prospects, wake me up in 10 years, I think you're completely missing the boat. They gave Danny Salazar $4.5 million. That's that's risk. It's, it's nothing but risk. They're in talks with Carlos Carrasco on a contract extension. So like, this is not, we're trying to get the payroll from 140 to 102. This is, we're trying to extend the window and do so within the, the, you know, the, the parameters. I hate using Shapiro words, parameters, constraints. I hate that, but, but, (laughs) but they do have these limitations and, and they're, you would think if they're going to give Salazar four and a half million, if they're going to give Carrasco tack on a couple of years to his contract, that they would then also be in the market to spend the seven million they saved on Young Gomes and, and the future money they saved on him too. So I would think this is not this is not just a rush to trade Gomes to get the payroll down. I, I would think maybe it's a rush to trade Gomes to free up some money to sign someone or to acquire someone who makes money. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what they're doing too. They, they're not doing this so that they can turn around and put the $7 million back in the Dolan's pockets. But if that were the case, I, <laughs> if you get to spring training and this payroll has gone down significantly and they haven't done anything with those, with the flexibility that they've created, I, I'm going to be right there with anyone that's, questioning what they're thinking oh no doubt um it's unfortunately we don't know what they're thinking we haven't been able to nail them down on whether the salazar four and a half million comes out it's this doesn't work directly like this but just to think of it like this if the four and a half million that they paid salazar comes out of the seven million that they saved on gomes if that's the case i'm I'm a little concerned, but but they spent five million on Salazar last right, year. They, they saved five hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> where's 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 that going, huh? Did that go to Neil Ramirez? Um, th- that's and that's kind of what I thought too. That they had already 
the five million dollars had been allocated last year to Salazar. So in in this case, they're going into the season thinking that 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 five million dollars was still there. And if they work out this deal with Salazar, then that's just part of the salary structure that was already in place, and it's not related to Gomes and the seven million dollars. But again, if 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 we're wrong on that, and the the directive has been no, you have to trim costs. Then I I'm really going to be up in arms about some of the the moves that they're making. And again, I don't think that that's what's happening. But if that is what ends up happening, then you and I are going to have a big problem about the way that this offseason played out. Yeah, but I mean that that's why this is so tough is because it seems like they have to trade Kluber or Bauer, and. The, the thing that was in their favor from the start was they had leverage. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like as, as – and, and it's only December 3rd. I mean, it, it's not like spring training starts tomorrow. God, I wish spring training started tomorrow. I hate winter. <laughs> but but I – you know, with each passing day, I think they lose a little bit of leverage just because they haven't found a way to fill those holes. And teams, and, teams and so, know that they need – they're going to need to clear that space. Right. Right. That's the so, thing they have working against them. Teams know that they're up against it. And they used – they had a limited number of assets that they could use as trade bullets, and they used one of them, and it didn't bring back anything terrific. And because you haven't seen how that – how the how moving Gomes is going to impact the roster for 2019, that's what leaves people skeptical, which I, I get. Right. But also, who – I mean, the Yankees made the trade for James Paxton. The Mariners have been – trading anyone in the Pacific Northwest. But other than that, I mean, it's not like teams have completely fortified their rosters. It's the first week of December. We haven't hit the winter meetings yet. None of the big free agents have signed. So there's time right. have to be patient. And that, that's also why, I mean, I've said, and, and you've echoed this, that look, I, I'm not a fan of the Gomes trade. I don't hate it. I don't certainly don't like it. Um, and I, but I also understand that, for me to fairly evaluate it, I'm going to need to see what they do over the next couple of months. You ever seen the movie 10 Things I Hate About You? What do you think? <laughs> uh, knowing your eclectic mix, I think it's a possibility. I saw the Bohemian Rhapsody movie. Oh, okay. Recently. That was pretty good. Yeah, they're pretty closely related. Uh, in, at one point in the movie, the I can't remember if it was the girl that played Alex Mack in the old Nickelodeon show, or if it was Gabrielle, Gabrielle union, but the two were having a conversation in the movie. And she said, I know it's possible to be overwhelmed and I know it's possible to be underwhelmed, but can you ever just be whelmed? And if that wasn't the Jan Gomes trade, I don't know what is. Yeah. I don't even know if I was whelmed. Say like, it just kind of is what it is. It didn't do a lot for me. It, as you said, it, I don't. I don't think they got back scrubs. I think back. I think they got back a guy that is a little bit intriguing uh, in Johnson, and then Rodriguez, the pitcher. He throws in the mid nineties, has no idea where it's going, but maybe they see some way that they can tweak his delivery and his curveball. Well, scouts have said it's kind of average. Gets a lot of swing and miss. At least it did last year. So there's some upside there. I feel like you got back some interesting guys, but I was just looking for more proven commodities or at least more of a proven plan. And we haven't seen that yet. 
Well, we now know the bullpen will be Brad Hand, Adam Simber, Dan Otero, Tyler Olson, Danny Salazar, Cody Anderson, and Jeffrey Rodriguez. That's good to know, right? <laughs> He's in the mix. And how dare you leave John Edwards out of this? But he also oh, your boy. He, he is also in the mix um, from beyond. What did you think about the Salazar decision, though? I mean, you wrote extensively about it on The Athletic, and I know we were talking, and like I think we both said we would probably – Exercise or, or we'd probably tender him a deal, but you can't do so confidently. And I'm sure. sure this was a difficult decision for the front office. They're an advantage because they have more information than we do. We're not sitting there looking at right. MRIs and talking to the medical staff. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> My thought was always if they believe he's still capable of getting, of being a productive arm, if they feel good about that. And I know you can't say that for certain, but if you feel 75%, 80% of that, um, that that's a good possibility, then you cannot let $5 million stand in the way of you picking up the option, whether or not or uh, uh, going to arbitration with him. You, you can't do that. I know $5 million in their position, they're probably thinking, oh, we could do this with that, we can do that with that. But the ceiling, you can't go out on the free agent market and spend $5 million and bring back a guy that has the ceiling that Salazar does, even with all the risk that comes into it. Even knowing that he's, there's a really good chance that he's not going to throw more than 120 innings for you next year. If he's good, you'll find a way to use him. And those 100 and however many innings he pitches will be effective and you'll be thankful that you have them. It it does breed a little bit of of pleasantry that the surgery he had wasn't some huge structural thing. They go in there and they're going in there with the intent of cleaning it up and trying to make this finally go away is that going to happen definitively no you and i can't say that but just looking at the risk and weighing it against the reward i just felt like five million dollars that lottery ticket even if it's as difficult as it's going to be to create the financial space that they need i would have taken that that risk separate of the gomes move even if you kept gomes i would have taken that five million dollars and allocated it towards salazar and i think even though it was risky it was the right decision uh, I concur. I don't think I need to elaborate. I mean, it, it's there's a better chance he provides you four point five million right dollars worth of value than zero. Right. Even last year it was like in the range of fourteen million, according to Fangraphs. He doesn't have to give you very much to live up to four and a half million dollars. Right. And again, where are you going to take four and a half million dollars on the free agent market and get back someone that can give you the type of ceiling that he can't there's there's nobody that's going to be able to do that for you and they're just not in a position right now zach where they're they should be giving away talented arms even ones that are a little bit risky or a lot of bit risky so okay i want to switch back to one other thing related to gomes what does they're now left with roberto perez and eric haas do you have any any lingering thoughts about francisco mejia and do you think there's any regret there do you think do you think it tells us anything about what the Indians thought about Francisco Mejia? Well, as far as Perez and Hoskins, I'm in the process of finishing up an article on them, just kind of looking at how Perez was compared to Gomes over the years and, and just trying to walk through that because it, there has been some that are concerned about it. And I think it's fair to be a little bit concerned about the offense that you're losing, but it's really way down on the list for me of things to be concerned about when you're talking about that trade. As far as Mejia goes, I don't think they 
for a second regret trading him. Maybe they regret who they traded him for now that they have the benefit of hindsight and knowing what ended up happening. Maybe you could have turned around and traded him for an outfielder or something. But to me, seeing that they, they moved him and then they moved on from Gomes so quickly and they could have kept him around and they were probably already thinking about trading Gomes at that point. I think it speaks a lot to what they thought of, of his future with the organization and maybe thinking about his future, not being as a catcher to me, mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of that involved that they just, there just was, there was not a lot of faith. And this is just reading the tea leaves. Nothing they ever said publicly really led you down that path unless you kind of put everything together. I just don't think they think his future is as a catcher, whether the bat is good or not, his biggest value is going to be as a catcher. And it just doesn't seem like they thought that that was going to be where he was going to stick. Yeah. He made a lot of progress, uh, like learning English and being able to communicate with the pitchers and worked a lot with, with Sandy Alomar in spring training. I know behind the plate, but yeah, that there are still a lot of mixed reviews on whether he'll stick at catcher. And the bat is so, so tantalizing because he looks like he's going to be a 300 hitter who can hit the ball to all fields and, and basically just do whatever you want, be a, a middle-of-the-order type guy. But if that's not behind the plate, that loses a pretty big chunk of value. And yeah, I, I'm with you. I, you know, I, I. It's interesting because it's like I know there are a lot of people who said, "Well, sure, wish we didn't trade Mejia now," and yeah, maybe. But I shudder to think at what this bullpen situation would look like without Brad Hand back there. Oh my god. <laughs> no, I mean that's fair, and I don't know. Even if they had traded Gomes and had kept Mejia, would Mejia be sliding in right now to be the everyday catcher? Do they? I don't. I don't know about that. Do yeah, they believe that he can handle? a world series, a, a staff trying to win a world series, or would they stick with Roberto Perez who they have supreme faith in his ability to handle a pitching staff? I, I don't know. <clears throat> it's, it's an interesting question. And the one thing that is for certain, if they get into, and I just, I just finished writing this sentence like an hour ago, if they get into mid season in 2019 and they're looking for catching help, it's going to be really easy to criticize them because they traded two of them away and spent all off season talking about there being a lot of depth there. I know they believe a lot in Perez and his defensive capabilities. And I still believe there's more in there offensively than we've seen. We're running out of time for him to prove it. They really like Eric Haas and the pitchers that I've talked to and seeing the work he put in, in spring training, it's everyone seems to back it. Maybe he's the starter in a couple of years, and he certainly has some nice power potential, even with the swing and miss. But, man, Zach, if they get into the season and their catchers are doing what they were doing in 2016 when they had to think about trading four prospects away to bring in Jonathan Lucroy, who said no thanks, it's really going to be a bad look for them. It is, but that it'll be less of a bad look if Brad Hand is pitching well and the bullpen's okay. I mean, I, I think – I don't know if if you're Roberto. We know Roberto Perez is going to be really good defensively. Like I think you can live with one hole in your lineup that you can pinch pinch hit for late in games, as long as the bullpen is is sound. If the bullpen's a mess, then you're going to have issues because 
that you've, you've got multiple problems. I, I mean, this all comes back to patching all these holes and we still don't know how exactly they're going to do it. Except now we know that it's possible there might be a hole behind the plate too. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't envy trying to think about all of these things, all these different scenarios. It would be fun to be a fly on the wall to see the thought process, but I wouldn't want to be the one that's sitting there trying to make these decisions, to be honest. Yeah, but we will get to sit there with the decision makers in Vegas, maybe at, uh, what do you think? You think like Antonetti, is he a slots guy? See, I don't think he would just be capable of leaving things to chance. Such a calculated guy that is Poker. thinking about every second of every day that he's uh, doing something. He he would have to be doing something where he is, he, have, he would have to be very calculated in, in what he's doing, for sure. All right, so he's he's at the poker table, trying to bluff you, um, and Tito is like at that you know that big wheel, yeah. That like it it always lands on one one dollar, um, but Tito's at that big wheel, just praying it lands on the fifty, <laughs> and it never does. Uh, I could see I could see Chernoff, he is you know in that same realm as Antonetti, but I could see him being. Uh, thinking that it's fun that for once in his life, he's going to just let this thing go into the wind. And it's just wherever luck takes him, luck takes him. But this is the one place where he just goes, you know what? I'm going to do the slots because let's leave it all to chance. Everything else I'm thinking about every second of every day, this I'm just going to have fun with and let whatever happens, happens. Do you want to do a random Indian of the day? I would love to do a random Indian of the day. You know that I'm going to come up bankrupt, though. I am not going to figure this one out. Uh, we'll see. This player finished his Indians career with one RBI. <laughs> Any guesses? Oh, Position uh, player. Dave Winfield. No. Um, I mean, maybe. One no. RBI. Uh, 34 games with the Indians. 67 plate appearances. A five ten OPS. Whew. He was once a first round draft choice by the Boston Red Sox. A first round draft choice by the Red Sox in nineteen ninety eight. Okay. Um, ninety eight. First rounder. Oh man. I don't know. This are we talking about a? This would have to be like a utility infield type, wouldn't it? Yeah, maybe. All right, go on. Do you want the year he played for the Indians? Yeah, that would be helpful. Twenty eleven. Okay, twenty eleven. God, what a forgettable year that was. What do you mean? That was my first year on the beat. They started 30 and 15. Ezekiel Carrera had that game winning squeeze bunt. Is this, and then it all fell is apart. This is before or after Luis Balbuena forgot how to play the outfield. <laughs> I think that was that year, too. Uh, I, I don't know yet. 2011. I have no guess yet. No good guess. Okay. The player was released by the Indians. <laughs> yeah, there's a funny story here. This might give it away if you know the story, um, an Indians reporter was flying to 
I think was flying back home after a series. And the player was on his flight. Um, and so he knew something was up because he was not flying with the team. Because uh, I think the team was going to a, a different city. And so he obviously talked to the player on the flight, got the scoop that the player had been released. And this was the end of June of that year. I don't know this. I don't think I know this story. Okay. The player also played for the Astros, the Twins, and the Tigers in the major leagues. Man, I, I have nothing. I can't think of anybody. Legitimately stumped, I think. And his best season came in Houston in 05 when they made the World Series. Hit 11 home runs. Stole 21 bases. There are like three people in their cars right now. I, I know, but I can't think of it. I think you just got to tell me, man. I don't think I have a good guess. Adam Everett. Ah, wow. Okay. Utility infielder made the team out of spring. Yeah, and that was so Jordan Bastion just hopped on his flight and did one of those real life like Superman memes where it's like, hey, wait, why are you here? I'm here. No. <laughs> And it was because he had been cut. Wow. All right. Well, that was a, no, that was a good one because I have so little recollection of the what happened in the mid to late part of that year. Because after the, Jim told me the the thome coming, the, remember that, that was that's that was, right. So there was a lot that happened that year. Yeah. I think I went on vacation and just never came back. <laughs> I think it's what might end up happening with you. Uh, in the next few hours. What? You know, taking a vacation and never coming back. I'm just uh-huh. concerned. Well, I look out my window and I see snow falling. <laughs> it was 65 and sunny yesterday. So, You know what? If the Indians end up trading uh, Corey Kluber straight up for Brandon Nimmo, you might not ever come back. <laughs> <laughs> I also like can we like vet rumors before we freak out about them? I mean, if I'm an Indians fan and I all I want to do is see a World Series title before I die, certainly I'm going nuts about this offseason because it's it would be terrifying. But like they're not trading Kluber for Puig straight up, okay? They're not trading Kluber to the Mets for like the the leftover prospects that the Mets didn't give the Mariners, um, like they're they're going to get something if they trade Kluber or Bauer, they have to. So. I, I hope so. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to be back to me on this beat, and that's it. And I don't think you'll be able to stomach writing another article like that, so. <laughs> or looking at the comments, or fighting people on Twitter, like you did on say- Friday night. I will say Friday night, I had a nice conversation with my wife after I finally finished writing on the on Gobes trade. And I was like, man, in the off season, I think when there are, when there's the angry mob, I think it gets to you more just because you're not used to it during the season. You're used to it every day. Like if Cody Allen blows another save and everyone's screaming in your mentions that they need to DFA Cody Allen, like you're used to that. But I, it, it took such a toll on me Friday night for some reason that I, 
I looked, I had a conversation with my wife about like, I wonder how easy it would be to switch careers and become a psychologist. <laughs> I had a minor in psych in college. So I was thinking maybe that's, that's the route I would go. I would like to see that play out. I would like to see <laughs> Zach Meisel, psychologist. Um, if we could find a way to get that done somehow in the off season, uh, that would be terrific. That would be, that's now all I care about now is just seeing you activate that career path that you swung and missed on earlier in life. Well, keep bitching at me on Twitter and uh, you'll push me toward it. <laughs> well, you know, during the season, you can come back the next day and everyone gets to hit the reset button a little bit. You know, in the off season, this is it, man. This, if it's the Gomes trade or what they're going to do with pitching, it's going to be there because that's all there is. There's no anything else going on. There's no way to wipe the slate clean or to have a, a walk off the night after to make everything okay and make everybody calm down this is it man this is all you got and so it makes it fun and frustrating as hell to follow along because like i said you're looking at just one small piece of a very larger puzzle and it would we can't sit here and and not write until spring training we have to come up with something and so it makes it uh it makes it a little bit frustrating at times to try to figure it all out yeah, and it'll be nice change of pace, though, in Vegas. Finally have some activity to cover. Well, that helps, too. Yeah, the only activity might be of the kind that we can't write about. But, you know, for everything else, we'll be here at The Athletic, and we thank all of you that have subscribed and have uh, checked us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, on Anchor, of course, Podbean, and wherever else you listen to this podcast. In fact, we had someone that told us that they don't listen on any of those platforms. So if you listen to us, let us know where you listen to us at. I am really, really intrigued <laughs> by all the places that people can find this podcast. Are they just like standing outside our houses? <laughs> I, I think that might be a possibility for some. Uh, but I do want to say a special shout out to I, I, this one. I didn't know, but apparently you have a background with B goats gets. Ah. Brandon Getz. Getz, there you go. Shout out to to Brandon for giving us a five-star review, as well as Boston Buck. Mr. Dean's sweet ass. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Mike Cheeto, Strange UG, and Frederick B1. All of us gave us some positive feedback in the Apple store. And I said, anybody that gives us a five-star review and leaves us a few nice words i will be sure to pass that along give you a shout out on the podcast and if you have negative and i owe you a beer (laughs) that's true if you have negative words uh we will find you and we have ways of making you talk i don't know i have nothing oh geez uh any parting words there's too much negativity in this world just spread the love spread our podcast (laughs) and pray for zach as he tries a rebuild with the cleveland rocks oh god trade deadline tomorrow oh good luck man there's just always so much trade activity happening on deadline day uh until early next week when we will be talking to you from las vegas well you will be well (laughs) maybe i'll just be like a weekend at bernie's kind of thing propping you up (laughs) yeah tj we had a really great show all right until next week we're out of here see ya